0: Hi there ladies and gents, it's uh, Dan from Adventure More UK. Welcome to another episode. Today's special guest is a adventure endurance athlete. He's a public speaker and a man who's completed over 33,000 kilometers of human powered adventuring. The man is Mr. Jamie Ramsey. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today. Oh, no problem. Um, like I said, uh, you've done a lot over the years. Um, I, I want to talk about a, a sort of a small percentage of probably what you have done. Because obviously, we'd probably be here for a long, long time otherwise. We could
1: be here for quite a while. <laughs> yeah,
0: on. yeah. So, I, I, first of all, I just want to talk about, and I talk about this with a lot of my guests, is when you was younger. So, when you was a child, was adventure sort of something you looked towards, or I know you had a is it you had a sort of well, I like to call inverted commas a normal sort of job in the city, but is it when you was a kid, was anything sort of was there anything looking towards the adventure world
1: yeah i think i was very lucky because i lived in the countryside so like every day had the the opportunity to go out and do many adventures and i also had a, a brother who was 14 months younger so we had like a i had someone to go and do stuff with so yeah. even i didn't we didn't really we weren't like a family who went on like long walks we didn't do camping trips or anything like that but we kind of would go down to the woods and like climb trees and jump off cliffs and we'd follow the river from one from our house to a friend's house and um in the summer we would we would have we would go to the west coast of scotland and spend time there I, w- I wouldn't say it was adventure but it was outdoorsy kind of lifestyle
0: yeah yeah well yeah because i would say adventure is quite a niche word like obviously anything could be adventure you know um I yeah think- yeah so God, you, going I'm to so, TK maxx Max can be an adventure yeah especially at, well no, i was gonna say not at the moment because he can't but no, uh, no, no. no um i was gonna yeah so adventures quite, could be anything i you know i've said this before but it, it could be anything from walking the dog to mm-hmm. you know it could be just having a, a general sort of stroll chatting to your friends when you can or you know it could be well, I think just, the great thing about adventure is
1: that, it that it's down to the person to what we make what kind of consumes as a adventure Like for me obviously when i started it was something smaller and as i have got done more it gets bigger and bigger As someone who's, if they've never done anything before you know just going out the house and getting a walk out into the up into the moors is something of an adventure so that's the great thing about adventure how personal
0: it is to you yeah yeah exactly um and yeah. Yeah, that's that's something that i like about it um now first thing i want to talk about now is probably the thing that I would personally say that put you on the map is is the your seventeen thousand kilometer run from yeah. Vancouver in Canada yeah. down to Buenos Aires in Argentina. Now, a lot of people may have recognised you from that or uh, found out about you from doing that because that was obviously mm-hmm. a big big adventure. Now, one thing I'm sure you and Sean had this little thing, but who's the real sort of British uh, Sean, uh, British Forrest Gump? But uh, I think like, like what you actually dressed like him for a, a big, big percentage of that run. Um, is it give us a bit of an insight of what you did on that, that adventure?
1: Uh, on the adventure itself? Um, so yeah. do you want me to talk about how I got to doing that adventure, the kind of background to it? Yeah, sure. we'll come into that yeah. later. No, no, but we can now. talk about that. So yeah, sure. As
0: you,
1: as you said, I had a normal job, a proper job. Yeah. Uh, so I'd I very much taken the life... Path that a lot of people do. Um, kind of went to school, then I went to university, and then I kind of went, followed everyone to the city, London, to try and find a, a job. And I was one of those people that sent out the kind of 40 letters uh, to different companies. I got 40 rejections, saying we're not hiring at the moment. Uh, and I find I kind of finally managed to get a job in uh, financial communications, and I worked there for 12 years, starting off as a graduate trainee, all the way up to partner. And um, after about 12 years in this job, or probably about 11 years in this job, I realized I, did, I just didn't want to do this. I had no inspiration to do this job. I had no drive, no passion. And I, it kind of dawned on me as I was feeling unhappy, unfulfilled, um, could notice all these little th- warning lights going off, drinking too much, trying to escape into all these different like endurance sports and all that kind of stuff. that. I was kind of starting to spiral in in the wrong direction and i realized that i had basically taken this course of life purely because that's what i thought other people thought i should do um you know other people think i should go to the city other people think i should do this and i cowardly just went down that path because it was the path of least resistance um and uh when i kind of woke up one day and realized that i had to make a change I looked back in this and i and i realized actually no one had av- ever said to me you have to go and de- do this no one had ever kind of laid the path out for me to do that that was my own uh perception of what other people uh thought i should do and when i looked around my office uh in london and i looked at all the people and i was like I'm seeing like people in their late 50s 60s who never see their wives who never see their kids who are unhealthy who are drinking too much and i was like i I do not want to end up being that person, that's not my inspiration, it's not, it's not where I want my life to lead. So I sat down um, and kind of rethought back to the last time I felt any sort of fulfilment, of satisfaction, of happiness, and it had been the short adventure I'd done in uh, Vietnam, which I'd run 240 kilometres down through, through uh, the coast of Vietnam. And at the end of that I felt this sense of worth the sense of like i've achieved something i did it on my own and I, I really wanted to recapture that feeling and i sat down one of the triggers was i sat down with my best friend in, in a pub and he introduced me to this video by alan watts which what would you do if money was no object well what, what, what would you do what was what's your desire and i kind of took that very literally <laughs> and i sat down and went right i want to go on an adventure It has to, if I'm gonna quit my career, I've just been promoted to partner. If I wanna quit my career, this has to be at least for a year, this adventure. And then I was like, well, what are my passions? Like, I love running. So like, let's bring running into that. And then I was like, I I wanna bring travel. So I wanna go somewhere exotic, somewhere different, somewhere dramatic. I wanna be pushing myself hard. So I kind of did a little bit of maths and did like 30 kilometers a day for a year is 11,000 kilometers-ish where could I do? And I looked around the world, I looked down through Africa and then realized that they were too difficult and too expensive. Um, So they ended up going with running from Vancouver to Buenos Aires as the kind of easy option of an adventure. It was like the driver was trying to find something that would allow me to feel fulfillment and happiness and satisfaction, taking away the feeling of, Doing stuff because that's what i think others think i should do so kind of living life a bit more true to myself and it running 17,000 kilometers sounds insane but actually to me at that point where i was mentally felt kind of a normal rational decision
0: yeah yeah, yeah and it's true like there will be a lot of people <laughs> who look at that and think that is absolutely crazy but at the same time obviously um, there'll be a lot of people who do nine to five jobs, like you were saying, that's what you used to do. And yeah. that's all they do. They do that for 40, 50 years and then retire. Now, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm in a very similar situation as yourself where I'm in stuck in that rut. I recently just left a job to c- pursue doing something like uh, similar to yourself. Um, and that, that's the way I look at it. And again, I was in that same impre- under that impression that I'm just doing it because that's what everyone else wants me to do. I know it doesn't help you, mm. obviously, you know, obviously we're all in the same situation with uh, restrictions, et cetera. But, you know, we try and work around it. Now, when you got to Vancouver, um, did you, did Devon know about what you were doing there? Or did is it something you didn't tell many people? Just because I know if some people don't tell many people because obviously if it goes wrong, you don't want to be like the laughing joke as such. So was just something oh, see, I do not agree with that. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that cause. No. Uh, so
1: one of the things that I think I learned and, and I kind of learned very quickly is if you're doing a massive adventure, the motivation for doing it has to be pure and authentic to you. And, um, you have to construct it in a way that you are kind of saving yourself from that, this failure that everyone's worried about And failure it's not anything more than what you look like to other people. And that should not... I don't do firsts, don't do records, don't care. Like if someone else wants to run quicker than me, go further than me, brilliant. If that, if your motivation is to get your name in a book, that's a really, I think that's kind of, um, it's a personal thing to you. Um, But for me, I was doing it because I wanted to do it. It was my adventure and I was trying to prove to myself that I could achieve something. So I very carefully set up my adventure with success points. So um, at any moment, if I stopped, I would have reached a success point so I could feel proud of what I'd achieved. So number one was quitting my job. Number two was getting to Vancouver. Number three was getting from Vancouver to to Mexico, running through English speaking America. You know, if I'd run the length of the USA, then amazing, go home happy. Um, So I never put that, I took that pressure thing away. um, And also realized that, you know, everyone they do do have big adventures, they have big send offs and, you know, the updates every day and all that kind of stuff. I realize that quite often people just don't care. Like everyone has their own little issues in life, which they are focused on. What you're doing in your life over the other side of the world is only important to you should only be important to you and that should be the only motivation so
0: i don't know if that answers yeah. your question right. yeah You're no, no it, makes, but... it makes sense no no it yeah. makes sense um okay. like, i i do get that because obviously there's a lot of people who think about like like you say about putting the name in a book or longest furthest <laughs> fastest yeah. whatever it may be um but it has to be coming from a good place like it has to yeah. be your own personal sort of decision now <clears> when When you was going through, obviously, as you say, you went through, obviously, Canada and into America and then into Mexico. Obviously, there wouldn't have been a a language barrier. Now, obviously, I know you like meeting people and that's one thing you do enjoy doing. And I'm the same. I love meeting people when I'm out traveling. I've been, you know, same as yourself. I've been around the world. Now, when you got into sort of the South American countries and Central American, how was it communicating with people? I know, obviously... You know, there's obviously a a verbal barrier, but was there other sort of ways you could communicate with people? Well, I got very good at charades.
1: Um, uh, But on a serious note, it's a weird the perception of when you're going from one country to another. When you're running through America, you'll have everyone, or America being the United States, everyone's being like, "Oh my God, if you go to Mexico, as soon as you get to Mexico, you're gonna." die, they're going to murder you, they're going to chop your head off, everyone's going to rob you, the police will extort you, and you know this does it does affect you a little bit as you're getting closer and closer to the border. Day one I was in um, Mexico the police let me go down a highway because it would be safer and people stopped and gave me food and you know you realize very quickly that the perception of Mexico in America is very different to what it is actually like and when you are um, a person alone doing something that is positive is not interfering in anyone in, in any way, you're not being flashy, you're not looking for drugs, you're not getting drunk, you know people actually are, they want to help you and that doesn't matter where you are in the world. Um, but what, what is quite funny is when you're in America everyone tells you to watch out about Mexico because they're really dangerous. When you're in Mexico they tell you to watch out when you get to Guatemala because it's really dangerous. Guatemala they warn you that El Salvador and you're like Jesus Everyone hates their neighbors. Um <laughs> it made me wonder if I would get it the other way with people in like Guatemala going, really dangerous here. But the Mexicans are amazing. They're really <laughs> happy people. But uh, i had have to go and cycle the other way to see if that happens.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, it, it is true. Like, there was going to be a couple of questions in relation to that because, you know, there, obviously there is that perception that a lot of South America is dangerous and there's, you know, there's it's all good there's corruption and this, that, and the other. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure there is in very small proportions. Uh, It is a big continent at the end of the day. But Uh as I've noticed, as there's quite a common theme along uh, the people I've spoke to over the last few months, is that the majority of people are are kind and, and forthcoming in what you're doing. Like you say, if you're not interfering personally with people's lives or causing any trouble, then surely that's going to be a good thing, and people are there to help you. So yeah, but-
1: and, and it's, 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 what I actually notice is that so we have this perception in our society. We live a really closed door society where we get into our houses and we lock the door, and quite often people can live in a building and not know any of their neighbours. And yeah. you know, say hi. And in, in a lot of other countries, they have a lot more of an open culture where the doors are, are people interact more people are more community-based so when you come into these communities they are more used to being friendly and accommodating and welcoming and helping you so actually i think we're taking a little bit of our closed mentality and imposing it on a place that we see from netflix when we watch narcos that mexico might be yeah. dangerous yeah i'm yeah. sure mexico would be hugely dangerous if you were looking for drugs and trying to overthrow a drug lord you're probably going to get killed if you're just running down the street during the day or cycling or whatever. You're generally going to be left alone. Um, so
0: yeah, 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 that, yeah, it, yeah. It, that's true. Like we obviously we probably don't have too much of an understanding sometimes because obviously, like I say, people judge someone by how they look or what they've mm. seen. And like you say, like looking on these documentaries on, on TV and stuff, people will people will probably think that Mexico's full of drug lords and you know South America yeah. and, and stuff like that. But it clearly isn't, like it's not somewhere I've been yet. So, like I do want to go to South America. It's not somewhere I've been, That's but amazing. I have, it, yeah, I've got mates who, like yeah. one of my friends spent six months in Brazil and said it was one of the best places that I've been. Uh, but I just wanna quickly, like, cause as I mentioned earlier, like, or oh, before we started coming on, uh, I'm not the biggest of runners, like I don't run. I run short spurts when I'm doing rugby. That's about it. But I read something that your was it your longest day was just short of fifty miles. Yeah, seventy nine
1: kilometers, I think.
0: Yeah. Now obviously for someone who trains a lot, that obviously is still still a long way, don't get me wrong. But that's you know, that's that's good going. Mm. But did you really realize how far you'd run when you'd run that far because that is just that's something i could i've done a marathon and i've done the london marathon many years ago well done. Um, obviously that's 42 thank you <laughs> that's uh 42ks you know um so to do sort of nearly double that that is extraordinary like how, how did you realize you'd run that far it's it a... It's very kind of you to say it's extraordinary, but it's kind of one of those
1: things that it, it it's a progression thing. So when I started my um, my run, I'd set myself this kind of mental t- thing, which was you run five days, 30 kilometers, take two days off. Okay. And that is what you will, that's how you will achieve what you're setting out to do. I very quickly got rid of that plan, realizing that there are two problems with living your life. If you set targets for everything, you are there's two, well, there's three eventualities, maybe that's perfect, but the other two options are it's either gonna to be too much for you to do on a day-to-day basis and you're gonna overstretch yourself and risk getting injured trying to hit these points um, just because of a kind of hypothetical reasoning you should be somewhere. And and what I found was by setting myself a target of 30 kilometers every day and then taking two days off, I was massively holding myself back because actually The longer I ran, the stronger I got, the more used to running all day, every day I got, um, so I could push myself further. So by taking away that kind of stripped thing, so at the beginning I was running 30-40 kilometres a day and then taking a couple of days off. My last 28 days I ran an average of 58 kilometres every day and didn't take a single day off. But what I do, just so people, a lot of people think, oh my god, you ran 79 kilometres. I did not get up, I do not get up in the morning and run 79 kilometres like a race, pushing this 40 kilo. You know, you run 10k, you stop, you have a drink, you go, you run another 20k, you have lunch, and then you run, you you, you do it in stages during the day, so it's not one continuous run. And normally the bit when you get to the end, that really long bit, is because you get to 50k and you start looking for a campsite, and you can't find anywhere, and then you end up just, I'll go a little bit further, I'll go a little bit further, and then you end up doing seventy nine kilometers.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. So, so the whole thing obviously was four hundred and seventy five days, but from that four hundred and seventy five day was it three three hundred and sixty seven days of it was actually running days. was running. Yeah. So, I mean, I can only assume then that the other days were just rest were they rest days.
1: Yeah, the rest days. Um, I, I, you know, as I said, I, I
0: do,
1: I do my adventures because I want to do them because it's my passion. Um, so my sister got engaged when I was in Santa Barbara in the U.S. Okay. So I had to then get to Peru, uh, Panama City to fly home, and I went home for her wedding. There was no way I was not going to go to her wedding because I was doing this selfish adventure through through the Americas. So I came back for that. And um, but it is when I look at the distance, like the between, I see it as two parts. It was running from Vancouver to Panama, and then there was running from um Panama to Buenos Aires and the first half was a lot slower than the second half so the second half because I'd been back at my sister's wedding and I end of June I was like yeah and they were like yo when are you finished are we done by New Year's Eve easy Um, (laughs) told the girlfriend oh yeah you book your ticket and be in Buenos Aires on New Year's Eve we'll we'll celebrate together and then landed back in uh, Panama City And then had to navigate my way around the Darien Gap to Colombia and when I got to Colombia I was like how far is it to Buenos Aires I didn't didn't know I looked it up and it was something like 7600 kilometers and I had 180 days which is exactly 42 kilometers a day every day for 180 days and I was like oh crap there's no way I can do that like but somehow managed to do it and arrived a day early
0: yeah that's brilliant when obviously when you were running it wasn't the case of just running head down and just going for it like you you actually made, made, you know made the effort to sort of have a look at your surroundings and take in in the environment basically because that's i know some people will just run and run and run Mm -hmm. and not really take notice of what's going on around them but obviously you made the effort to sort of you know look at what's going on around you
1: I, i did and i didn't um, okay. I, I, a lot of, I, I, So I've been writing a lot recently about this, I've, I've done like a hundred thousand words, I'm trying to get it condensed down into a book and uh, a, quite a, a theme that keeps coming up is like Jamie you're on this journey to explore not just to run, like stop, take time, meet people, go and see things. So a lot of the kind of like I did some amazing things I got to go into, I got to watch some archaeologists unwrap a uh, Inca mummy. Um, oh. Which hadn't been exposed for 700 years or something, and I got to go diving in Costa Rica, and I, I, I got to do all these wonderful things. But quite often that was like a forced. I had to force myself to do that because you do get into this routine of I have to keep going, and um, so I, I really had to I had to push myself to do that. And when I got to the end, you know, I had this date in my head. I had to be in Buenos Aires by the by New Year's Eve. And that date obviously gave me something to push towards. And I was running every single day, but when I was like two days away from Buenos Aires, I remember feeling like, why have you just rushed this? You've just
0: run the whole of
1: South America. You didn't stop enough. You didn't go and see things. You were just pushing to get to, to get somewhere on a certain day. Um, and I was like, you idiot, you could, you could have dragged this out for another three months. Um, and it would have been amazing, and you would have done all these things. So it's kind of you to say that I did, but I think I could have done it more. Um sadly, I do go on other adventures, I do exactly the same thing. I cycled
0: across Australia, 25 days, didn't take a single day off. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, that was my next, one of my next things actually is ask you about that. Because um, yeah. I've, I've been to Australia myself, and obviously the route you took, it went from, what was it, it went from, Where'd you go from? Is it I, from went, I went to uh, Melbourne, I, oh, I, land, oh, no, I landed sorry. in Melbourne airport at uh,
1: um, 6 a.m. in the morning, put my bike together outside the airport, cycled down to Torquay, and then went along the Great Ocean Road, then up through Adelaide, Port Augusta, Cuma PD, Alice Springs, Darwin. Yeah, I
0: went straight oh, up to the middle. Um, exactly, I was gonna say for people who don't know that, that obviously for for people who have been, you're pretty much going through some places where there's nothing for <laughs> quite a long way. Was it like, yeah, I
1: remember one of the signs was two hundred and seventy something kilometers
0: to the next. Um,
1: like, which I tell you is not that scary, but like wasn't that scary for me because I was on a bike. And last time I'd seen a sign like that, it was Mexico, and it was three hundred and something kilometers to the next petrol station. And you're pushing a baby stroller, running into the desert. Yeah. You're like, holy crap! So when you're on a bike, you're like, ah, oh, it's easy.
0: Um, I was going to say because for you that would be probably a day and a half, maybe two days of cycling. That really. Yeah, yeah, about day. Yeah, oh, so yeah. really. It,
1: it, was, it, was it was a hard
0: route to take. But
1: the reason I took it was because I was originally, the whole reason of going to, on that adventure was my brother lives in Sydney. I wanted to go and see him and his family. So I was going to go from Perth across to Sydney. And then I looked at it, it was like, well, it's all pretty much the same as you go across. I know that's a generalization, of Yeah, But it was like, yeah. this is very similar. But if you go up, then you're crossing more kind of different, um, different uh systems so that's why i went through the harder things
0: just to yeah yeah just so can, obviously you uh, know the... obviously in australia there's the, the the climate is actually i know a lot a lot of people think the climate's just you know it's just sun and and, and scorching hot but you do have s- storms as well and stuff like that especially down towards around the melbourne area or around victoria yeah if, if people want to watch the videos on my youtube and
1: you know the first 10 days or something, I'm pretty much wrapped up with waterproofs on, um, and then, and then I go into the desert where I'm, it's like 35 degrees and I can't cycle. Um, yeah.
0: so yeah. So yeah. when you was out there, um, as, as I spoke to, uh, when I spoke to James about this, he did similar thing. Um, now when you was out there, obviously, cause the, the Aussies are quite forthcoming and the very sort of they like us really they like the buzz brits they're probably most of them are half brits so it's fine it's just uh it's just the way it is but uh um so did, when you was doing your adventures did anyone sort of like take note of what you were doing or was it kind of just saw you and thought oh it's just another cyclist or did you have a sort of following by then
1: no it's a, i don't really i don't really encourage people to on on that kind of adventure i'm i'm i'm, I'm out there to do it but that one was cycling long distances each day. Um, so that was my thing. I don't really try and get people involved um, in that one. Um, it is weird, though, if you're in the middle of, like, if you're in South America, cars will pull up and, like, offer you food. People will go, like, "Ah, oh, I just, um, we just saw you. We went to a petrol station. We bought you a, a sandwich and a pan of Coke and that kind of stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In the more developed countries, so like Iceland and, and Australia, people just drive past. You're in the middle of a desert, and just people just drive past, and they're like, "Ah, guys, he's fine. He's obviously crackers." Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's less interaction, there's less um, empathy. I think we, the Western, the, the more affluent the society, the less we care about the individual.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It does seem it does seem like that. Um when uh when you was on the, obviously in Australia like people will know there is a lot of kind of a lot of scary animals over there. Did you have any ever incidents where you woke up in the middle of the night with some creepy crawly giving you the fright of the life? I wish I don't think I've ever had on any of my
1: adventures. Um, really? thirty three thousand kilometres. I think the most scary thing I've had was some raccoons stealing stuff food from my tent in america but i've never really i've never really come across anything scary it's just probably a good thing rather than a bad thing yeah Um, Uh, yeah. But in in australia you're very much kind of on the road so you see a lot of dead kangaroos um Mm. that's about it
0: yeah yeah so again when you was in australia like especially during sort of middle part of your your uh, your adventure there's probably not a lot in that sort of space like was it difficult to find places or you know for resources food water etc or was you pretty okay with that kind of thing
1: no that that stuff's actually all right because you've got quite big like road trains going up there so big trucks and there's lots of lots of camper vans and that kind of stuff. So these these lots of road houses where you can stop and get food, get water. If you want to camp near, have a shower or that kind of thing. That's all, that's quite easy. But when you're in the middle, the difficult part is you're cycling and there is nothing on the horizon in any direction. You're just cycling down a straight road and just trying to keep your mind ticking over. Um, I, I listened to quite a lot of music. It was quite embarrassing. I got a message from Deezer when I was cycling across Australia saying, you are one of the, uh, you listen to, um, Taylor Swift, uh, more than most people. We, we would you like to enter this competition? I was like, seriously, I'm cycling across Australia trying to be an adventurer and I'm apparently a Taylor Swift fan.
0: Oh, it was a bad thing. I'm sure there's some, uh, really
1: to <laughs> the Oh, I'd love to see that, but, uh, unfortunately, I was still going to be in Australia. So
0: yeah yeah so i was gonna ask you about that like obviously i know a lot of your adventures you do by yourself um obviously i speak about about a bit about uh mental health and stuff like that how how do you keep yourself going when you're by yourself because i know a lot I, I, for me personally i like talking to people which is why i do mm-hmm. this some you know uh, and i love talking to people and, and and feeding off people's energies but if you're generally by yourself a lot of the time like how do you go about doing that
1: So I I do prefer being by myself on, on adventures because part of my drive, like a lot of people think, Oh, you go to these beautiful places. And the main objective is to look at the beautiful scenery. Uh, My, my, where I get my, my uh, feedback to myself, the positivity is pushing myself to the limit. How far can I go in a day? Um, How, how many days can I go without taking a rest? Um, And actually, when you're in the wilderness or you're riding a bike or there's so many things ticking through your brain the whole time to keep yourself on the edge to make sure you have enough water but not too much water so you have enough food that you know recovery you're in injuries that your mind is constantly working that you actually don't really I don't really miss having someone with me I normally find if I have someone with me they act as a burden in a way that i'm not able to reach the levels i want to reach and, I, and i've and i've spent a lot of time thinking about this because i do realize that doing stuff with other people is a more positive thing having that collaborative um, um nature to your adventures um, and my problem has always been i have decided an adventure and people have asked if they could come on it and then i've set myself unrealistic targets that i try and hit and they're, they're behind me and i blame them for not letting me push myself so I've actually tried now that I'm looking at adventures where I'm more collaborative, where rather than me coming up the adventure, I sit down with a friend and say, what shall we do and what's important to you on this trip and what this is important to me. And we come up with an adventure where we'll do it together and we'll get the, 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 the plus points out of it. But for me, it's the solo aspect is just easier because it allows me to push myself
0: yeah yeah and, and and that's something that a lot of people have said before is that when you've got people with you um it kind of it's not quite a, it's just kind of a burden because obviously if you want to push yourself to these limits of you yeah. know how far you want to go etc that and obviously you can't rely always on the other person who's with you or people that are with you and it also yeah. i would say that kind of puts a bit of a negativity on on the whole sort of thing because you're obviously you don't even though people are adults, you know, people are adults, but you're always gonna have that thought in your head that you need to try and look after them because it's your adventure. Is that something that you kind of think about?
1: Yeah, massively. Uh, um, But it's it's also this, like, a selfish aspect to it. Um, When you're doing a big adventure, you invest a lot of time, you invest a lot of training, um, and you, you, you put all these things in place. And if the other person has not invested the same amount, And then doesn't deliver you're like well that's where the resentment comes in so I think the best example is my friend Al who I did Akon Kagyo with two years two years ago today we were at 6,000 meters we summited Um, and uh, we had a great a great adventure on that one because when you're doing adventuring like mountaineering you have you can only go up a certain amount per day you need to acclimatize properly and during that, we, we had times when I was going too quickly and he was quick to say, look, I need to go slower because that, that's the sensible thing to do. And it brought me back into line. We then went on an adventure together, um, which was another of my adventures, which was hiking. I wanted to push and he didn't want to push. He wanted to, to hold back. And in the end, we parted company early and I went on by myself. But we managed to do it in a constructive way that we're now planning another adventure next year. Uh, to go to Nepal hiking and uh, we've already we've talked about it we said right okay so we're not doing it for speed we're doing it for what are the reasons we're doing it? we don't want to do too much distance we want to spend more time doing like spiritual meditation stuff or we want to spend more time sitting in tea houses tr- reading books and so I'm learning that yeah it's all about if you collaborate from the very concept of the adventure then the adver- actual adventure will be as as rewarding
0: as if you're just doing it on your own. Yeah. If you choose it. Um, yeah, exactly. And just going back to Akongagwa uh, for a second, obviously that was uh, another big adventure that you took part in. Um, well, not took what you did. Um, now, for people who don't know, Akongagwa is the uh, highest. Uh, well, it's the second highest of the seven summits, and it's the highest in the southern and western hemisphere. Is that am I right in saying? I think I that's think right. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Now. That's obviously very different to sort of, generally, obviously you do a lot of running and cycling. Now, how, how yeah. easy was it to adapt or to train? Because there's a lot of technical side, a lot of technicalities toward mm-hmm. mountaineering. Was it quite, did you, obviously, yes, I'm sure you really kind other of people.
1: From, yeah, it's like a theme that I think you, I, I realized quite quickly. So I did running the Americas. I came back and then I ran um, 700 kilometers climbing the, climbing the three peaks and then I ran 450 kilometers around the Scottish Isles. I sat down and went, you're doing something you already know you can do. And you're just, yeah. you're patting yourself on the back by just doing the same thing again and again. You're not pushing yourself, you're not growing, you're not developing as an adventurer. So that's when I kind of t- I decided to go cycle touring. So I never cycled to before, got a bike, went and cycled across South America. Um, then I came back from that and I got asked to do trail running, like multi-stage trail running competitions. I, I kind of went and did that and learned the skills from that. And then I was like, got invited to go trekking across Mongolia. And I learned that every time I was doing something different, my skills for everything were getting better. So I kind of then made a conscious decision. Where are my weaknesses? Where, what are things I've never done before? what, what am I scared of? Let's go and do those things. So, um, Akon Kagua, it's about going slowly. It's, um, it's going up a massive mountain. I'm scared of heights um you can't do it you can if you have the skills but i couldn't go and do it solo i had to have a friend come along and by asking my friend al the reason he was there was because he had a lot more knowledge about mountains so it was kind of putting myself in the number two position he was the knowledge i had to depend on him so it was all about so the mountaineering was kind of bringing that into into this kind of um how you, how do you how do you grow as a person by each adventure so um yeah Yes, Akon, and Akon Kage
0: was, that was exceptional. Um, yeah, and I
1: loved
0: yeah, I every minute of that. Mission. Very expensive. Yeah, yeah, like, but, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it was very, yeah. very worth it. Um, now, with uh, like most people, obviously, would go and do a lot of sort of smaller mountains, etc. But was it? Obviously, I'm assuming you did some smaller sort of training type things, or did you just chuck yourself straight in the deep end?
1: straight in at the deep end. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I climbed, I climbed some small mountains, which you just walk up in the, in the Pyrenees, like 2,877 metres, I think is the highest. I've never really done peaks before. Um, but I kind of looked at the, what, what, what are the attributes you need? And I was like, I've got the characteristics to be able to do this. I've got the, I've got everything I need. I just need someone to be there with me who tells me to slow down. He tells me how to acclimatise properly. Um, who i get on with and trust um so when i was looking i just went mountains non-technical Aconcagua came up i went right um and actually i was running with a friend i was running the uh, the transalpine and my friend came to to cheer me on at the end of one of the stages and it was a conversation that kicked off at that and that was september and in january we were in argentina so
0: it's um, that's, that's quite it's quite but, a short uh, turnaround then yeah
1: but luckily i was quite i was quite fit and he just climbed mountains so it kind of worked but you know a lot of the pe- one of the things in, in adventuring one of the things i learned is a lot of people look at something big and they'll think i can't i can't do that because it's big and that's you know take on big things do big things as long as you do them sensibly as long as you do the research you know if you don't make it like if you go out to Aconcagua and you only make it to base camp you're going to have an experience which is amazing because you managed to make it to base camp you get to experience that special little community up in a mountain you get to learn about acclimatization you can always go back and try again the people who i always find yeah. it funny when you see people go oh you know i I'm, I was going to do this thing but i didn't have enough money or i didn't have this and like, so i didn't do it so, so you basically just gave up like I didn't have enough money to run the Americas. I had enough money to get me to maybe Panama. But I was like, if you go and do it, if you only get to Panama, you still got to run to Panama, which is like nine and a half thousand kilometers or something. Hmm. Um, so yeah. even if it take on big adventures and don't care if it, if you don't succeed, just enjoy the journey to get there. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That. I yeah, can't yeah, agree I with uh now so obviously you went to akongagwa like obviously that was a big mountain but coming back obviously beforehand you did you mentioned it just earlier the three uh, peaks like you ran between the three peaks yeah uh, and it's something i qu- I was quite interested in because it's something similar to what i would like to do but mm-hmm. i i've been planning something towards the five peaks um i won't say too much on that because it's something that i've not fully cemented five in peaks. so five. you basically got you, got, you got, so you got a uh, sleeve darnard in northern ireland and uh, to in uh, in um republic of ireland so it's included ah, right. them too nice. uh so it's a nice. similar similar situation uh but including yeah. the other two uh, but yeah I just I just, I just I just want to uh talk about that cuz um uh, the you you Apparently, well, you you didn't realize at the time, but you would set on a, a, was it an unofficial record of fourteen days doing that doing that run?
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I I, I set a record. Um, yeah. I went and did it, but not even knowing there was such a thing as a record for it. And the only reason I set a record is because apparently I was the first person to have done it. So yeah, like uh, they always say, the easiest firsts, uh, easiest records are firsts because no one else yep. has done it. And then I I wrote an email I wrote a thing about it, and then the chap who went and then. Took my record, you know. I said, look, don't do this, go here, do that. And, you know, you can hold like he had maybe a little bit of support. I was unsupported, but at the end of the day, who yeah. cares? Like yeah. he got to go and do the same, had ex- got the same experience I got. And then someone's gone and beaten him. And then someone's, you know, and I just hope that people don't go too quick and miss out the fun parts of, you know, camping in cool places. And, um, like, when I climbed, um, Scarfell Pike. I took a day off that day. I didn't even, I didn't do much. I didn't do any running that day. I just went and climbed the mountain. So as long as people are enjoying the moment, that's.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's something that, uh, a lot of people I spoke to, like you go and do lots of amazing adventures around the world. And a lot of people don't take into account, like, obviously we live on a, obviously I know you live in France now, but when you lived mm-hmm. in the UK, um, do you see, there's a lot of people who don't see the, like how much we have to offer in the uk because obviously there's a lot to a lot to admire and i feel like obviously there's a lot of people who go out like say i'm sure you know all, all the stuff that you've done is amazing but is there like certain things you'd like to you know to do around the uk that's you know maybe i know again maybe it's not quite the same so it has the same sort oh of no 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 don't to worry it. it's
1: coming it's, it's coming Hopefully, fingers yeah. crossed, working on it, can't say anything about it, but okay. hopefully. The, the adventuring in the UK is, is epic. Um, you know, the stuff that Sean Conway has done is awesome, um, the swimming and his triathlon and you know, I'm a big fan of Sean, I think he's one, an amazing adventurer, but two, uh, uh, just a classically um, awesome guy. Like, yeah. Just to, give, to show how nice he is, we, we've <laughs> spoken a few times, but when, but when I went to... When I was going to cycle australia uh, cycle australia i was in the car with my mother on the way to the airport and he somehow got my number rang me and then wished me luck i was like yeah. "What, dude like like we don't we're not that close but so i've got a lot of respect for him but um in the uk i've got friends who have been cycle tour i mean ski touring in the alps and say that their best ski touring has been in the highlands of scotland and um you know some of the stuff you can do on the west coast of Scotland is amazing. Some of my best, I loved the to Hebrides was amazing. Uh, the Three Peaks, just you know, we have so much history in the UK, uh, which is can be combined with adventure, which is is absolutely, yeah, it's it's priceless. Um, yeah. But also yeah. doing long stuff in the UK, doing long stuff in the UK is harder than doing long stuff abroad. Cycling across Australia, you can't halfway through go. Yeah, I'm just gonna go home. But if you're doing something like cycling the length of the UK and you get bored, you can just kind of go home. It's, just, it's like a, it's a half day in a bus and you're at home. Um, yeah. So it's a, you have to have a lot of grit and determination to keep going with your escape route so easy. Um, so I always admire people who do like around the coast and that kind of stuff.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that is, is something that a lot of people don't take well. A lot of take it for granted. Like, obviously, mm. I, of what we have here in the UK. Like, I, li- I don't live too far from the lakes, so it's it's something oh. that I. It's yeah. It's not. I I kind of live on that middle ground between the lakes and the Peak District. So because I live in the yeah. northwest of England, it's it's I've got. I'm pretty lucky, really. Obviously, at the moment yeah. we can't do we can't do anything. So i have got to be no, good. Gotta... You know, it's a great time to it's a great time to be planning adventures uh, training for
1: adventures, making sure you have the right kit for adventures. Um, I'm spending a lot of time, like, like just packing a hiking bag, just hypothetically, or checking your tents doesn't have holes in it, or just going through all these little things that you can do, which will make it adventuring when we can do it again. And also one of the things I need to do is like, I've been up scaffold Pike three times and because of the weather, I've been lost every single time, every time I get lost on that mountain. Um, and that just shows how in the UK. It is difficult,
0: you know. We have weather to t- take into account that you don't have to take into account in other places. So. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. That, uh, yeah. There's a saying that I use, um, uh, and it's a mil- I learned it in the military, and it's uh, piss poor uh, piss poor performance equals yeah. uh, so poor prior preparation equals piss poor performance. I get it. Yeah, there. Yeah. So that's that's uh, something that I learnt a lot of in the military, um, and I hmm. think that's that's key. Uh, preparation yeah, yeah. Is, is definitely key um because obviously the sort of stuff you do like the preparation hmm. side of it that must have been must have been obviously very key for what you, you you did or was there some sort of things that you ad-libbed like you you kind of obviously when you ran the uh your yeah, south Amer- uh, north america to south america was there times where you just kind of went along with it or did you have ideas in your head i know you said you don't really like setting yourself those long-term goals because you might try and stretch yourself yep. too much but was there times where you uh, thought, well, I, I need to do this?
1: I didn't have a to do what I was doing when I did Run in the Americas. First day I set up my tent, it was the first time I had get set up that tent. Uh, I bought the wrong gas for my stove. Uh, I set fire to the grass. Uh, I was actually thankful I didn't burn everything down. Um, but what I have learned is that a lot of people, have this fixation on having so much kit, 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 and all this, And as I'm the more adventures and different disciplines I do, I'm realizing that, having um, having just a good solid base of kit, a good backpack, a good tent, a good sleeping bag, a good small cooker that can be used for hiking, can be used for running, can be used for cycling, get all that kit together and then you actually only need to supplement little bits or you can rent the kit you need. So climbing um, Aconcagua I rented the boots um, and stuff like that, so you can rent little bits of kit to supplement what you have. It's all about starting with a good a good base of kit. But you know, I'm obviously very lucky. I, I partner with Cotswold Outdoor, so I can be geeky on kick kit as much yeah. as I would want to be. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so I have uh, to very, very glad uh, to tell you that my battery is at Oh no, that's all
0: right. Um I'll tell you what I'll do. Um so uh I'll talk about the last couple of things before it before it does. Um yeah, 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 so yeah. just um is there anything that you've got planned in the in the pipeline that you you can say, and obviously I know you may have stuff that you don't want to talk about, but is there anything you can say? Well,
1: really annoying 2020. I had a massive adventure. It was then cancelled, moved to 2021. It's been cancelled. Where I'm now working a, with some people about coming up with something new. But obviously, there's no point talking about things because of COVID because you don't know if it's actually going to go ahead. Mm. My next adventure after that, we'll probably be um, going and doing uh, a trail in the west, uh, the east of Nepal with my friend Al next March. I think and hopefully the world will be normal then. And that's what I'll be doing. That'll be a month long um, hiking tour around um, Nepal to go and see, I can never say it, Katchenchuga, I think, which is the third highest yeah. mountain in the world. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to climb it. Yeah. I'm just going to have a look at it. Um, okay. And then, yeah. you know, I. I adventure that's been cancelled twice I might do a variation of that because I kind of got really excited about it I invested my soul into it and then it's been taken away and I kind of feel like I probably need to go and do it just for the sake of doing it just yeah yeah but I have a whole list yeah, yeah. and I'm very cognizant I say I'm going to do things and then I don't do them and I, I so Madagascar was my I, I got an injury and like Stupidly went all the way out there with the injury and then realized the day I was meant to start that I obviously could not run 2,000 kilometers with a 20 kilo backpack with a sprained ankle. That's just stupid. But I let pride get But I I remember all the things. So I need to go back to Madagascar. If my ankles aren't going to let me do it, I'll cycle it. Um, I said I would swim the Thames. Um, I haven't done that. So I I kind of keep a mental list of things I've said I'm going to do and I haven't done and I want to go back and do them all. I might change the Thames and do the River Severn or something instead, because it might be a bit cleaner. But I, I, these kind of I want to do a long distance swim. I want to do another long distance thing in Africa. Um, I want to go to Nepal. I want to
0: go. There's so many things I want to do. But yeah. Um, so just yeah. last one. Or, uh, one I ask uh, So if you could pick a perfect adventure, so it's be yourself and someone else. What what would you do and where would you go? And who would I go with or and who would you go with? Sorry. Yeah.
1: Do you know, I, this guy would want to do it as well. So my friend, Al, we, cause you know, it's very difficult to find someone who you can adventure with that. You can hit your lows with and, and still feel support and not get angry with. And that's a very rare thing to find in, a, in an adventurer like partnership. So I'd really love to go and do the himalaya trail which is 1400 kilometers across um, Nepal that would be I think a perfect adventure it'd be kind of quite um, quite Walter mitty um, now I'd love to run it but I don't think I've I'm, I'm I haven't got that in me at the moment I'm not fit enough but I'd love to go and hike the himalaya trail I think um, oh, cool that would be But then again, I'd love to do anything in Africa. I'd love to run the length of Africa or cycle the length of Africa. I'd love to swim across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I'd love to, but that one's just technically too difficult. Um, That's my excuse at the moment. Um, So there's a lot yeah, you give me a map anywhere in the world and I'll find an adventure to go and do on that map.
0: Oh, awesome. Um, Well, like I said, I appreciate you coming on mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I know, I know uh, you're a busy man. So I, t- I appreciate taking the time out to come and chat to us. Um, what I'll do is uh, I'll put links in the description of where they can find you. Uh, what what's best place to, to find you on?
1: Well, Instagram is probably the best place. But I, I enjoy making videos. I'm not very good at it, but YouTube. Uh, I've got like a 40 minute video on climbing Aconcagua, a video going across Australia, um, South South American uh, cycle, all these kind of things. It's just little short videos. And if anyone's got any questions about what kind of kit they use, should use, how do they go about planning, any of that kind of stuff, I do answer the emails. Send me an email; you'll get my uh, email on my website. Um, just put the caveat that you might take a week to two weeks to get a reply, as you know uh, how crap yeah. I am on emails.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, <laughs> so, actually, I uh, it. uh, like I
1: appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I meant to have done something yesterday, but I woke up the beautiful weather, I went ski touring instead. Oh, fair
0: enough. Um, so, yeah. So, um, oh, will like I said, I I appreciate always, it. I
1: always give advice, but it just might take a little bit of time.
0: No, no, it's, it's, I, like I said, you're a busy man. Um, like I said, Jamie, uh, appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, as I say, all that stuff I'll put in the uh, description of the video. Uh, it'll be on my YouTube channel. Uh, so please make sure you check out Jamie's stuff because he's uh, an absolutely amazing person. Uh, and uh, like I said, oh, I if... So. Uh, not a problem. And and if you want to, like I said, keep an eye on what I'm doing. I'll uh, I've got my links to the description. Check out yeah, my when, adventure. When are, you, when are you thinking about your one? When, when, uh, yeah. well, I was going to do it this year. Um, but it all depends. It all depends on COVID. Everything revolves around yeah. COVID at the moment. So, um, I, I, I don't, know don't know want that. to talk about too much. How how long are you envisaging it? Oh, um, Okay. Take, yeah. I'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> I'll talk about it yeah. afterwards. Oh, uh, chat. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll talk about it afterwards because I, I don't like saying too much just in case. It doesn't yeah. happen. I'm like you. Uh, but, yeah, thank you very much, mate. Um, as I say, I'll put links in the description. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, and if I don't see you soon, I'll catch you on the flip side.